Welcome to the 40 Under 40 podcast with your hosts, Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. They are two entrepreneurs who speak to other entrepreneurs under the age of 40, so you can learn from their successes and failures along their journeys of building businesses. 40 Under 40 podcast hopes to educate, motivate, and inspire people to pursue their dreams of starting a business, regardless of age. And now, here are your hosts, Caitlin and AJ. All right, welcome back, folks. Hey, AJ. Hey, folks. <laughs> oh my God, it's so typical. How's it going? What's happening with Caitlin, you? Caitlin, you know, it's been a while for us. It's been two weeks, you know. It's been great. I've been doing really well, and I'm really excited about our next guest, Irene Turtle. Yes. Okay, yeah, because you've worked with Irene before, right? Yes, I've worked with her for about a year, year and a half, she was my executive coach uh, when I had my last business. She was amazing. Oh, wow. So like, what do you just like talk? What would you guys do? Yeah, like once a week, we talked for about an hour and a half, everything and anything people related. If I had issues with my teammates, my, wow. my clients, she was she was almost like a business therapist. If I had to fire someone or write someone up, she was like my HR director and executive coach. She was amazing. I, oh I my really, gosh. Yeah. we all need an Irene in our lives. It sounds like, yeah, you know, it's something that I think people don't realize they actually need, but we all kind of need a coach. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we should get going. Cause you know, us, we're very chatty and we try to keep it. We so are we're chatty Cathy's. We're chatty Cathy's. So Irene is the founder of turtle executive coaching. She's built an active, successful career as an in-demand coach, facilitator, public speaker. She established her credentials as an executive recruiter before branching out into other areas of HR and, and project management, succession planning, leadership development. She does it all. She's trained for, consulted with companies ranging from tech startups to large, well-established brands in verticals that include entertainment, biotech, financial services, and healthcare industries. Yeah. And she's, I remember we were talking about, she's worked for the Walt Disney company and all these different amazing organizations. And so I'm so excited to have her here. So welcome, Irene. Welcome, Irene. So good to have you. I am so excited to be on the 40 Under 40 podcast. Right? I know. Famous. I a whole bunch of time off my age, and and you did it for me. I'm so excited. You are the youngest, wisest person I know. I'll just say that. (laughs) There you go. So you have a cool history. You worked for Disney. You were hiring executives there and leaders. You did a lot of leadership training. Tell us about that experience and how it you know, brought you to where you are today. Well, I was working in entertainment and I got this great opportunity to go work for Disney. And I have to say, I loved it. I love the people. It's like being in this great magical bubble. And we all had our favorite characters. And you know, people who work for Disney are huge consumers of Disney stuff. So funny. So it's just uh, as magical as they portray Disney to be. For me, it was. I I have to say I I had a great experience there. Disney does a lot of things really well. And one is hire great people. So that was a fantastic experience for me to be able to hire really phenomenal people. And, you know, if you're a recruiter, you know, hiring great people for the perfect job is it's like a drug it's wonderful so mm. i had a great time so there. that's what you did then you were a recruiter or you yeah. were hiring yeah yeah 
Cool. Okay. So yeah, I'm curious. So for, for people, obviously, I mean, a lot of people who won't know who you are or their, your background or anything. Tell us, tell us about yourself and, and what your business is now today. Well, I'm an executive coach and a team coach. And really what I do is work with executives, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and I help them with their leadership skills. I always say I help them build powerful people skills. You know, anyone who's ever had a team or been part of a team knows that the leader, even though they're, they're not everything, they're a huge part of the morale, the culture, the success. I know you are both fairly early in your career compared to me, but you'll know that working with great people and having a purpose and working together as a collaborative team, you know, without that, you, you will be successful, but you'll be surviving versus thriving. So mm-hmm. to me, the difference between having mediocre or okay leadership skills and really strong, powerful ones is night and day. And that's what uh, that's what excites me. That's what gets me up in the morning. That's what really is my passion is to help people build those skills and have a much better impact. And also now I'm working a lot with teams and that's hugely challenging, but hugely rewarding mm-hmm. as well. Oh, so, I bet. So leadership skills, it's, it's such an intangible thing, right? And I feel like most entrepreneurs would invest in marketing or Facebook ads way before they would invest in leadership skills. But talk about that. Like, why is it something that it should be at the top of everybody's list? Because I know work after working with you, my leadership skills skyrocketed. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? I think people, because we're all people, we think that we instinctively know how to behave with other people. And some some of us do, and some of us don't. And like you say, people don't think twice about investing in technology. They don't think twice about investing in their marketing or their advertising or all sorts of other things. But again, it's the differenti- the differentiator often Uh, between a really successful company and one that's just getting by is the quality of their leadership. And leadership isn't just for the people with the VP titles. Really, everyone has leadership skills and how how they show up. If you think about it, everybody's biggest bottom line item is their people, their employees. So why wouldn't you invest in your biggest asset? That to me is I know it's not obvious to a lot of people, but it's very obvious to me. Yeah. And after experience in the field and in different careers and different worlds, like you've, you've seen that. And so young people out there take note because mm-hmm. this is a bit of wisdom, but yeah, mm-hmm. focusing on the people on the teams is so critical. So what I'm, I'm curious when you transitioned, cause you were in the corporate life, you were an employee, like you were working for someone else mm-hmm. and then you transitioned to be an entrepreneur. What what made you do that? What made you take the leap and why? I think like a lot of people, I went up the corporate ladder. I didn't necessarily, as I got further up the top, didn't necessarily love it. Things that I did like about it, the, the coaching element, you know, finding the best people. But there was a lot of stuff that I didn't particularly like doing. I might've been okay or good at it, but I didn't like it. 
And I think I've always had a streak of maybe call it stubbornness or um, independence. But even when I worked uh, in corporate, I didn't like being told what to do. And I liked to be left alone to do it. And I would figure out the best way to do it. And I have that talent called maximizer. So I don't believe in anything like good enough. I always wanted it to be great. You know, sometimes we need a push, right? We need a push, some catalyst that gets us out of that comfort. I hate that word comfort zone because it's usually not comfortable at all, but the status quo. So I, it was the recession of 2007, 8, 9. Um, mm-hmm. I um, was in a company, a financial services company that pretty much imploded and it was a good opportunity to look out and go, well, if I'm not going to do this now, when am I going to do it? So right. that was that was my sort of jumping off point. And um, I am during so the recession, during this like, yeah, rough yeah, time, I started my, my practice, my coaching practice in the middle of the recession, which, you know, in retrospect was Oh God, what were you thinking? But um, <laughs> and that's crazy. But how did how it go did, for you? Yeah, like how did you get clients? Like, what were the first steps you took? You know, reaching out to everybody I knew, and I had a pretty decent network. But again, in the recession, as counterintuitive as it might seem, a lot of people were going, "Oh no, no, we can't spend money on that." You know, leadership skills, personal development. You know, I I started off by reaching out to everyone I know because, you know, coaching, personal development, leadership development—it's not something you tend to pick out of the the what what used to be the yellow pages or off a, a notice board somewhere. It's something that requires a lot of trust and rapport so that's kind of where I started and then I did all sorts of other things since in terms of marketing and social media and podcasts and yeah how was that like figuring out what what you're supposed to do now next well I mean I, I took a lot of classes I've done a lot of workshops and webinars and I'm a learner by nature so I always wanted to figure out how to do it but that's also sort of a pitfall is because when it's you work for a big or mid-sized company when something goes wrong you pick the phone up and go ah oh, my computer's not working and now mm-hmm. it's me myself and I yeah and, you uh, must have been it, spoiled at Disney oh my god yeah I mean there was something for for everything you ever needed you know even at mid-sized companies there's facilities and relocation and IT and everything Health um, insurance. Oh yeah, where where's what do you mean? I don't have a paycheck. It's Friday. There <laughs> must be a paycheck somewhere, right? Yeah. So I think I think that's the thing for most people when they go out on their own is how am I going to get good at all these things that I have to do? And the answer is for me, I couldn't. So I either had to figure out what I really needed to do and find someone to help me. You know, whether it was especially all the things that don't come naturally to me, like marketing and social media, all those things. I never, as an employee, never had to promote myself. I never had to go out and find work. 
Um, I might be the best in the world, but I don't have any customers and nobody knows about me, then it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter at all. And you could be the worst in the world and have a million customers that know about you. And Mm -hmm. right, you know, like it's, it's so true. So like, I mean, do you think of going back to being an employee ever? Like what keeps you going as an entrepreneur? I I mean, I have thought about it, obviously, you know, especially in, in when COVID hit and you know, things were drying up. Of course, you're always thinking about that, but it's like the ups and downs, right? Not enough to do anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Yeah, no, I mean, I I love what I do and I love being the master of my own destiny most of the time. But, you know, I think realistically, anyone who says they don't have doubts when they work for themselves and things, you know, business is slow, especially in COVID times, I think they're probably lying. Liars. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And I'm curious, can you elaborate a little bit more on your business model? Like, tell us how it works for you. What are the different aspects of how you make money, how you grow your business and what are the arms? Well, I do individual coaching, which is one-on-one. So I work with entrepreneurs or executives um, for, you know, usually it's a minimum of three months it could be six or 12 months i also do some facilitation slash training so i'll work with a team on maybe helping them with their communication skills uh and as aj knows i do a lot of work helping people understand and maximize their talents Mm -hmm. and other different kinds of training and facilitation and then i do team coaching which is a different animal altogether. It's really working with the team as a system and helping them, again, get beyond surviving and getting to the next level. Love that. And yeah, we'll talk about teams and talents in a bit. So are you just picking up the phone and calling? Are you doing all the sales yourself? How are you getting these clients and growing your business? Well, a a lot of it is uh, referral. Some of it is referral anyway. And the rest, uh, you know, I do a lot of blogging and articles and I do some social media. And I also work with some big consulting firms. So it's a mixture of stuff. There's, There's no magic pill, or at least if there is, I'm still looking for it. Aren't we all? We all, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what is, like, if we were... I think people get caught up in this, obviously, as an entrepreneur, we have to be salespeople. Like we have to be selling ourselves constantly. Otherwise, we're not going to be able to get any business like we talked about. So what would you say is kind of the selling point for the work that you do? And this kind of goes back to what we said about investing in your people. But when you're approaching someone who's never heard of you or never heard of any of these things that you talk about, what is that thing that you really sell them on that makes them go, I need you. What problem can I solve for you? What's your problem? It's not about me. You know, there's lots of fantastic coaches out there, but what is it that you need help with? And it's a little cliched, but what keeps you up at night? What's the the thing, the issue that keeps recurring in your leadership? Is it that people keep quitting and nobody wants to work with you? Or, you know, maybe you have all these really, really smart people on a team, but they can't work together. So what is it about your leadership, your team, the way it works, the way it doesn't work? What is it 
that, let's face it, painful enough that you want to invest in having some, mm. someone come and not fix it for you, but help you make it better, help resolve some of those issues. Right. And find the way to fix it. Like give them, you know, give the man a fish. He yeah. eats for a day. You know, thing. it's a lot about rapport too. Not everyone. I'm not meant to work with everyone. Not everyone wants to work with me, but it's trust. It's, you know, AJ knows I have a a fairly weird sense of humor. So you <laughs> that's know, why I love you, Irene. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this is serious stuff. Let's face it. It's, it's very serious stuff, but if I can find the humor in something, then I will. And, you know, we don't have to have a miserable time doing it. So I use humor a lot because it's just part of who I am, but the rapport and the trust is really important. And, you know, People need to have a sense that you know what you're doing if you're going to come in and and be in their business, literally in their business. Right. They need to, tr- yeah, that element of trust is huge, mm-hmm. especially when you're going in and implanting yourself in, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, someone's team. And I don't have a product. I don't sell anything uh, other than the, the training and some of the proprietary stuff that I do. So I'm really selling myself, I'm selling my services. And for a lot of people, that's really hard. And I don't particularly like talking about myself. It's partly who I am, but also that whole Irish thing of self deprecation and so on. But, you know, it's again, it's not about me. It's about what I can do to help you or your company. You know, you say Irish, and I was thinking the the listeners are probably wondering where you're from. You are from Ireland. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, do you? Uh, why did you leave Ireland? Do you prefer America over Ireland? I know you're in Pasadena now. I left to go around the world for a year, and I was on my way to Australia, and I sort of got sidetracked in Los Angeles, and one thing led to another. I did finally go to Australia, but I've gone back to live in Ireland. So it's a a long and messy story, but I I do go back. I haven't been able to go back in a year and a half. My mother's still there. So it's it's tough right now, not being able to to get back Mm. there. Why did you leave? Or like what made you do your around the world? Oh, I've always been a, a world traveler. When I graduated from university, I spent a year traveling in the Middle East and Africa, which is one of probably one of the most just incredible experiences of my of my life. Uh, I've always been curious about different cultures and countries and always been a little bit of a a lot a big traveler Um, Mm -hmm. I left because I was just ready for something different and I thought got to do this now you know people don't do this in their 50s well some people do but you know I was in my early 20s and I thought okay I'm I'm out of here let's go So you've lived here for a long time in America. What do you feel like is the difference? I mean, imagine if you'd started this business in Ireland versus America. Do you feel like there's differences in in the way the countries, the cultures, the societies are in the two countries that would either help or hurt, you know, an entrepreneur? I mean, it goes back to that promoting yourself. That's a lot more I think necessary here and it's encouraged and it's celebrated. And if you don't do it, you may not be a successful, you know, in Ireland, we're a lot more self-deprecating and, you know, it's almost a eighth deadly sin for shameless self-promotion. Some people like a lot of 
self need and want a lot of self promotion and other people don't so but there's so many differences it's it's even though we speak kind of the same language we really don't yeah I speak, I speak American now but I didn't when I came here first so, <laughs> well, <I'm> so <laughs> there's a lot of translation that had to happen <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you came to Los Angeles because I don't think we would have met otherwise well you never know I'm glad to I know. All right. So let's kind of shift gears here. Emotional intelligence. That's been a topic that you talked about a lot. You're very well versed in it. Like talk to us about what that means, why it's important for business and personal life. Yeah. You know, it's one of those terms that gets bandied around a lot. And I don't even, I don't even talk about it that much anymore because it's, again, it can be a little cliched. Well, first of all, our personalities are more or less fixed by the time we're, you know, into our teens or twenties and our IQ from much earlier. And those things we really can't fix or change or develop according to most people. Anyway, emotional intelligence isn't one thing. It's not, it's not one thing that you get a score for like IQ. It's made up of lots of different elements. And I think Prior to the early 90s, when it was first talked about by Daniel Goldman, it, we called it soft skills or people skills, mm-hmm. made up of a lot of different things. It's really how well we know ourselves, how well we manage our own emotions, how well we understand other people, and then how we interact with them. So it's made up of all sorts of different elements. You know, you might have a really great sense of confidence, but you might not be necessarily great at influencing other people or managing your own emotions, self emotional self control. I wouldn't say some people people say they have none, no emotional intelligence, it's probably not true. But maybe there there are several things that are glaringly obvious that stand out that people would say that maybe it's a little low. (laughs) There's been a lot of research that's been done in the last 30 years. And the one thing that is clear is that people with higher emotional intelligence are better performers in the workplace. They're usually happier, they're healthier, they're less stressed, they live longer. Is it something you can learn? Like if you, if you are low and you're like, I would like to be better, can that grow? Oh, absolutely. The great news is we can develop it and we can make it stronger. And some people are born naturally with high emotional intelligence and some people have to work at it, but definitely, I don't think I'd have a job if we couldn't develop it. You know, we, that's very uh, true. How do you develop it though? If someone's like, I really need to work in my EQ. There is i I'm certified in this tool called, you know, EQI uh, 2.0. So you can measure it that way, but also in just talking to someone or maybe doing a 360 interview with all the people who work with you for you, etc. We can, if you don't already know, if you're not aware of where you need to strengthen it, we can measure it through either the assessment or a 360. Mm. Um, but, you know, again, with, I think with any change in any leadership development, the first step is awareness. You can't change what you're not aware of. Right. Of course, there's, and the, there's the element of motivation. If you don't want to change, you're not, you're probably not going to either. Well, and it's interesting because AJ and I are starting a business around the behavioral elements. And that's something that we have really noticed is, you know, 
you can change your behavior if you are aware of it. And it's, it's really about teaching people what exactly they're like, like what, what they're naturally like so that you can move forward and you can intelligently behave. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really critical. And, and something that this kind of reminds me of, I I know you do some work on like bullying in the workplace. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming bullies have low emotional intelligence, but I'm, I'm curious, you know, where did that part of your business come from? What inspired you to take on bullying in the workplace? Was it from the emotional intelligence aspect of it? I think it was, you know, working in different kinds of companies. There were some companies that I've worked for and clients I worked with when I was doing consulting where you just, you, you could see that they had good emotional intelligence. They were good leaders. You know, this is not you know, rocket science, they, they treated people with respect, they helped develop them, you know, they, what we call, they kept putting deposits in the emotional bank account. So when, you know, when they needed someone to work late, there would be, you know, there'd be a deposit there, they didn't yell at people and scream at them. And then there were people that did the exact opposite. Um, so I was always fascinated by what made a great leader someone, what made someone a bully? Some people will argue with this, but I still believe that people don't leave their company for the most part. They very often leave their boss. Conversely, Heard that. they will follow that boss to mm-hmm. the next company and the one after that and the one after that because that person will take care of them. You know, if you're someone like me, you don't like to be micromanaged. Nobody wants to be belittled. No one wants to be patronized. No one wants to be treated, you know, poorly. And some people just can't help themselves. That's how they do. And they operate a culture of undermining people and ridiculing people and playing favorites. And sometimes it's very overt and sometimes it's not the overall effect on that is a bad culture people say but yeah that's all very well but what about the bottom line well you know engagement higher engagement higher productivity higher retention that all affects your bottom line so if you don't think that's important well I think it is. And it makes a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's like a fact. So do you have any specific stories about a bad boss? I want to get the tea. Spill the tea, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I have many, many stories. I've watched with horror when I've seen people behave badly. I had an experience myself a few years ago where actually I had the flu and I came in anyway because I had to get all the the annual bonuses. So when you, I worked in HR and when, when anyone who works in corporate knows the annual bonuses are a big deal. So you have to get them out on time. So I came in to get them approved and went looking for my somewhat boss. And he was actually getting on the elevator with a bunch of guys. And I was a little irritated because I needed this and everybody, it was really important. Otherwise no one would have got paid. And I said, well, where are you going? Oh, I'm taking my team to play golf. It was Friday afternoon. It was about 12 o'clock. And I remember standing there feeling like somebody had hit me in the gut because I actually was part of his team. 
but you weren't invited. Wow, it hadn't so mean. It hadn't occurred to him to invite me, and, and I've seen that that happen a lot. Where you know, you don't know always whether it's intentional or whether it's on purpose, but it doesn't matter. I think that was the point at that with that particular company when I decided, okay, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. Um, again, sometimes you need a that little kick out the door. Yeah, and I'm curious. I mean, specifically entrepreneurs, you build up your own team, you have, you have your, your own business. And I feel like it can be a tendency to become almost a bully because you know what you want. And a lot of us have, you know, worked alone for years and it just is strange to have other people coming in. So what do you, what advice do you give to entrepreneurs to kind of avoid that mentality or that, that maybe unintentional behavior of kind of bullying in a way. First of all, and this is me, my recruiting hat is always there. Hiring, really being very intentional about the people that you hire is, is important because then, you know, you get to pick people that compliment you and pick people that are going to work well with whatever you need them to do. But sometimes we don't get the opportunity to do that. We have we inherit people or they get assigned to us. So as a team, as an individual, setting clear expectations with everyone and then holding them accountable. Um, and that requires conversation. It requires sometimes having difficult conversations, which a lot of people don't want to do. They don't like to do it. They, they find it uncomfortable. And then if it's a team, you know, you need rules of engagement and you don't necessarily call them that when you're a, a team. First of all, if you don't all know what, what the purpose is, then you might be working, you know, to different ends. And, you know, you wouldn't put um, a football um, team out without everyone knowing what, well, usually the purpose is to, to win the game, but everyone's got a role Everybody knows that, you know, there's certain things they can and can't do. Mm-hmm. In the corporate world, we often don't do any of that. We're just, okay, let's put all these really smart, bright people in a room and hope that it's going to turn out great. And sometimes <laughs> it does and sometimes it doesn't. That's absolutely, yeah, you have to all be gearing towards a purpose because that's what's going to get you up in the morning and go to work. It's not the, you know, oh, I get to do paperwork today. No, it's I get to do paperwork so that we can, you know, do this greater thing. So yeah, totally agree. Yeah, I mean, not, not only does there have to be a person, but everybody has to know what it is and it has to be the same thing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise that, uh, and that's very common. A lot of people aren't quite clear why they're there and um, can't, you know, articulately tell you what it is. So you brought up something that uh, you said, difficult conversations. And I think that's kind of the nature of entrepreneurship. You're always having difficult conversations with your team, your customers, your vendors. What rec- what advice do you have for entrepreneurs, especially entrepreneurs starting out to be able to really become a pro at having those difficult conversations effectively? Well, I think a lot of people aren't always in touch with their emotions. They might be irritated, but they they don't know why. And I think you have to own it. And, you know, as I said, name it to tame it. So 
if you're feeling irritated, is it, are you irritated with yourself or are you irritated with the person who hasn't delivered? And did they know that they had to deliver it by a certain date? So did you set clear expectations? Did you then check in and did you hold people accountable? Because a lot of people just assume that happens magically. And they also assume that other people behave and think the way we do. And none of that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, if some people will, who are maybe have the responsibility talent, they'll get it done always ahead of time before you ask for it. And then there's other people that will need constant uh, reminding. So I think overall, the skill, the behavior is being honest, being direct, being fair, but it requires conversation. And then when someone isn't delivering or behaving the way that you expect, making sure that that you communicate that and find out why. Do they have the right training? Do they have the right materials? Do they have the right resources? Or are they just a bad fit? So it's the same thing with, you know, with vendors and with contractors, you know, you have to take responsibility and be direct. You don't have to be mean about it, but you have to be honest and be willing to get over your own discomfort. And I think expectation, like anytime you're coaching me, how many times does it come back to expectations? Like it's harder than it looks. Like mm-hmm. it, it's easy to say, but it's hard. Sometimes we have, you know, as as leaders, as entrepreneurs, as the ideas people, we have all this, all these fantastic ideas and they're coming out of our head like antennae, but we haven't maybe thought them through or we thought about it so much that we almost project that onto other people. And remember the other people don't have this, they don't have the same talents as us. They don't think the way we think. They, they've come from a completely different orientation. So just because it's in our head doesn't mean that they're getting, they're getting that vibe. They're not mind readers. So yeah. being really, really clear about your expectations. And sometimes you have to get clear with yourself before you can tell somebody else. You do a lot of work. You brought it up several times on this call, talents. And uh, I know you do work with Core Clarity. Do you want to tell the audience a little bit about that? First of all, you know, I, I like assessments. And, you know, think about if you were a doctor, assessments are like, they're like blood tests or an MRI or something. They kind of, you know, will tell you what's going on, but then they don't tell you, you know, what diet you need to go on or what, you know, what you need to do to, to address the problem. One of my most favorite talents is it's called Gallup. It's the, it uh, used to be called Strength Finders. Now it's called Clifton Strengths. And then I work with another system called Core Clarity that sits on top of that. And really what it does is help you understand and maximize your unique talents. The, that Gallup identified, cut a long story short, 34 talents and the hypothesis is that if we work in our top talents, we will be more successful. Mm-hmm. So everybody has all of these talents, but there are some that are more prevalent. And if we work right. with those, they'll make us more successful. So again, it's going back to that awareness. 
Do I know what my talents are? Do I know how to maximize them? How to use them to propel me forward? And how are they holding me back? Maybe I'm really good at something, but it's not really a talent. I've, I've become good at it, but it drains me. After I'm spending a whole day doing whatever it is, spreadsheets or something that's not really in line with my talents, I'm drained and I just, you know, I have no energy for anything as opposed to both of you when you're, when you're working in your talents and, you know, you get better at those talents, they become strengths and then you, you're very energized and fulfilled. And that's what I try and help people and teams do is to maximize those so that, you know, we're energized and we're more fulfilled and therefore we're more successful. Why should people focus more on their talents rather than their, their, their challenges? Well, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, <laughs> there are just a thing. Well, I, I kind of, uh, I, um, I think it starts off with, you know, when we're even small kids, we come home with three A's and a D. What do people focus on? What does the teacher focus on? What do our parents focus on? They focus on that thing, getting better at something that we're not good at, as opposed to working with our raw material and strengthening those things. It kind of, it, it, it seems obvious that that would be a better way to spend our time and our energy, but it's right. not how, it's not how our education system works or how, how things work in it's our So true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I feel like it needs to be kind of rethought with like mm-hmm. all that we know now we can kind of change that. So, um, we love to ask our, all of our guests this, and I'm curious from your perspective, what advice do you have for a young entrepreneur or a young person just starting out, not even sure if they want to be an entrepreneur? What, what advice do you have to someone just at the beginning of their journey? Have money in the bank. <laughs> love mm, it. It's logical true. advice. Yeah. I mean, it's really, really hard to get creative and to, you know, (laughs) it's really hard to get things done when you're worried about how you can pay your rent or how you're going to eat or how you're going to pay your car payment. So that's very practical, but it's also, you know, do something that you're really excited and passionate about and hopefully something where you're working in your, your talents and also find great people to do it with people yeah. who probably hopefully complement the talents that you have love it all right last question another one we always ask on this podcast do you think entrepreneurs are born entrepreneurs or do they learn to be entrepreneurs i think it's well i think some people have talents that are maybe more inclined to that but i think I mean, again, there's this myth out there that we come out and everything's pre predestined. I think until you've maybe had a couple of jobs, you don't really realize that that isn't for you. Um, so I, I think it's a bit of both. I think some people are definitely not entrepreneurs, but I think you can develop it. And entrepreneurs look and show up in lots of different ways. So... Um, you know, there's solopreneurs, there's entrepreneurs, there's, you know, 
entrepreneurs that then grow these conglomerates. So entrepreneurship, I think, looks looks very different in lots of different things. Yeah, it can mean a lot of things too. Yeah. 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 Well, um, where can people find you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can Irene Turtle. Um, my company is Turtle Executive Coaching and Leadership Development. So they, that's my website. And uh, they can call me, email me. Love it. Yeah. Well, you are an inspiration. This was incredible. I'm so glad I got to like know more about, cause I known you for a few years now, but you know, you don't really dive into this type of detail in your average everyday, you know, conversation. Yeah, so. Irene, you're amazing. It's been a pleasure to have uh, you This on. was wonderful. I so enjoyed it. I've listened to all your other podcasts and they're always fun. So uh, I love thank it. you. Thank all you right. so much. Thanks, Thanks for, for coming, coming on. Wow, that was awesome as we predicted. Such a great conversation with Irene. I mean, we have some amazing guests on the show and Irene was was amazing as well. Absolutely. Well, folks, tune in next time. We'll see you in two weeks. See you soon. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the 40 Under 40 podcast with Caitlin Cromit and AJ McQuarrie. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we'll catch you in the next episode.